ravioli. <laughs> yeah, well, we might be. We're back to ravioli. <laughs> we might be back to ravioli. You've never watched SpongeBob, have you? No, uh, and I know nothing of the formula. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it was. It was. So this was like in the in the two thousands, and it was the Tudors. And it was a show called The Tudors, which was on I don't know what TV show it was. On. I don't even know. What I mean, what channel? That what? early, I don't know. Yeah, but it was called The Tudors, and it starred um, Jonathan Rhys Myers as Henry the Eighth, and young Jonathan Rhys Myers was oh, he was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I remember the first scene no. with. Yeah. Who's the other? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Also, if you're interested, and no, this this is the only reason you should watch this series. Jonathan Rhys Myers as young Henry VIII. As he gets older, he's less attractive. But in the first few seasons, he's beautiful. Um, just like the most piercing blue eyes I've ever seen. And then, of course, um, Superman himself, aka Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill, the Witcher. You. The fucking man of my dreams is Charles Brandon in oh that. My oh my god, yeah. he's the mo- oh my god. Henry Cavill is one of those men who like, you know how there's like a lot of a lot of women are like super into Jason Momoa. You know who that is, right? No, I was gonna say like the early George Clooney kind of attraction. Oh. Well, I don't, but... It was insane. Oh, okay. Well, no, but I was just just saying, though, because, like, a lot of women are super into Jason Momoa, who was Khal Drogo in um, Game of Thrones. Oh, yes. Yes. And he is attractive. I'm not saying he isn't, but I am very firmly in the Cavill fan camp. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not that Jason Momoa isn't attractive. He just isn't my my kind of attractive. I don't know. Um, but The Tudors was a great show. It reminds me a lot of Game of Thrones. There's, there's a lot of... Ridiculous. There's a lot of... sex and Banging going on. <laughs> that was why I was so shocked that my mom let me... W- I think I was intrigued by it because I walked into the room one time when you and Dad were watching Didn't it. Didn't we cover your head, though? You covered my eyes all the time. <laughs> because, because in these types of shows, it's not like they warn you that a sex scene is coming up. <laughs> Most of the time what happens is... In the scene preceding the sex scene, right as that scene is ending, you start hearing the <laughs> and the bum bum bum, and then it fades into the sex scene, and it's just assaulting your eyes before you can look away, and you're like, oh no, that's a butt, oh no, that's someone's tits, like it's just and it's not good. So my mom would grab a pillow and just kind of whack it over my face <laughs> retroactively See, I am after a good mom. I had already seen someone's penis. <laughs> I'm a good mom. <laughs> I tried to save you from all that. <laughs> But it was a really good show. Oh. Oh, such a good show. Well, the the character development, you really get to know who these people were. Yes. And and if you're into political intrigue and scandal, oh like we goodness. are, yeah. super chock full of that, just, just racy and intriguing, 
show. Really good. Yes. Um, so that, ever since I first saw that show, I had this weird fascination with the Tudors. Because. Well, the I, women. Well, I the mean, women, specifically. Yeah, because. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, parts of it is just gut-wrenching. Oh, we're going to get to that. But they do such a good job developing who these women are and giving yes, them like a, a voice and a, a voice yeah. and a personality and then off with your head. Yeah. yeah. No, wow. honestly, the tutors, Ugh. there are a couple of scenes in the tutors that I remember to this day. Um, and we're going to talk about them as we go through this story. Because as I was researching the real story, those scenes came into uh. my head and I was like, oh my God, this is so sad. So yes, today we're going to be talking about the Tudor dynasty, which lasted in England from 1485 to 1603. Um, and really quick before we get started, I want, first of all, Mom, the episode, the official title of this episode is The Real Housewives of Henry VIII. <laughs> Great. Do you like it? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and before we get started, I want to open up with this poem, this short poem, that was written by Henry VIII's grandfather, Henry VI, while he was a prisoner in the Tower of London. So Henry VI writes, Kingdoms are but cares, state is a void of stay, riches are ready snares, and hasten to decay. Pleasure is a privy prick, which vice doth still provoke, pomp imprompt, and fame aflame, power a smoldering smoke. Who meaneth to remove the rock out of the slimy mud, shall mire himself and hardly scape the swelling of the flood. Wow. Interesting, right? So he's yes. basically like, we do all of this shit, to gain wealth and power and influence, but it all comes down to... It will take you down. It will take you down eventually. Yeah. And I just thought that was a very fitting quote for how the Tudor dynasty kind of begins very gloriously and very... Well, actually, no, because it ends with one hell of a monarch. That's true. And we're going to get to her, not in this episode, but she will get her time in the upcoming episode. All right, so a quick history of the Tudors. And by and I mean, I am really yada yada yaying through a lot of history here, okay? So bear okay, with me. Go. Um, so some historians argue that England was, quote, economically healthier, more expansive, and more optimistic under the reign of the Tudors. Uh, but others would argue, and most would agree, it was a time filled with political turmoil, societal instability, fear, corruption, and bloodshed. There was a lot of deaths and executions yeah. under the Tudor reign. Yeah. The first monarch of the Tudor reign, of the Tudor dynasty, Tudor dynasty I'm going to say Tudor so many times it's going to lose meaning, okay. <laughs> was Henry VII. And he reigned from 1485 to 1509. So this is King Henry VIII's father. Okay. He was the founding patriarch of the House of Tudor, and he became King of England at 28 years old after winning the fabled War of the Roses. So do you know about the War of the Roses, Mom? Yeah, I do. The War of the Roses lasted uh, between the years 1455 and 1487, and they were a sporadic series of civil wars between two rival cadet branches of the same house. Now, I did a little research. A cadet branch of a, fam of a family lineage consists of the male line descendants of a monarch or a patriarch's younger sons, known as cadets. So... This would be the younger sons who, while still heirs and still part of the family, 
were considered less important than the first they were not male the primary they heir. were not the primary male heir right. so they had to do a lot more in order to secure positions and power and wealth for themselves and they generally would become dukes yes they were the ones who would become dukes and earls right and be given property yeah. but be basically i mean if you're going back to like camelot days just be <laughs> part of the yeah, the Knights Realm. Every time, I'm sorry, but every time someone brings up Camelot, <laughs> all I can think of is it, we're Knights of the Round Table. We dance whenever we're able. <laughs> Let's not go to Camelot. It's a silly place. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you don't know what that's from, you gotta. I, I'm really sad for you. Please watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> okay, so yes, it was between. <laughs> what is it? I'm on the fourth it's... book. Oh wow! My mom is reading. The Wicked Day, which, which is, the is fourth book in the series, King Arthur's Final Days and Just the fulfillment of Merlin's darkest prophecy. Amen. Yes, I am. Oh, I'm fanning myself over here. Is Guinevere in that? Yes, she oh, is. Oh my God. What about Lancelot? No. Oh, really? There is no Lancelot in this series anyway. What? I know. They took out Lancelot. They did. There's you no can't Lancelot. remove Lancelot. Well, you're gonna have to talk to Mary. Lancelot has the best song in <laughs> all of... Mary Stewart says there is no Lancelot. In all of, um... Oh, shit. In all of Spamalot. If you guys have never seen Spamalot, Spamalot is the Broadway version of... Wait. Is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Is that the actor that did that for me in the kitchen? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I was when I was in Spamalot... Okay, really quick story. I was in Spamalot at a local theater here in South Bend. Civic Theater. The Civic Theater. Yeah, it was kind of a big deal. It was good. Um, <laughs> um, I was just a background character. I got to be a lot of different people. I also got to be one, I got to be the head knight who said me. And I got to wear stilts and a talk. I got to talk like this because we're the knights who say me. It was so much fun. But my friend Nick was Lancelot. And if you're not familiar with the show, there's a whole sequence where Lancelot realizes he's gay and all of these people come out and start singing, his name is Lancelot, he likes to dance a lot. <laughs> it's just the funniest shit. So my friend Nick spends the entire song in the middle of all of us dancing and parading around him, and he's kind of like boogieing and shimmying and like, oh, yeah. so funny. If you haven't seen Spamalot, oh, you are missing out. All right, where were we? So the War of the Roses. Right. Um, yeah, so it was, the War of the Roses was between these two rival branches of the same family. Um, this family belonged to the royal house of Plantagenet. I'm not even sure how to pronounce that. That sounds right. Um, okay. So they were all from the same house, but those two, those, ugh, that house had split into two separate houses. They were the house of Lancaster, which was represented by a red rose, and the house of York, which was represented by a white rose. Um, so both houses had descended from the sons of King Edward III, and the wars began in a dispute over the succession. So it was the Lancasters versus the Yorkists. Eventually, the wars eliminated the, the male line of both families. So, I mean, everybody died in this, and no one succeeded, which is basically what war is anyway. Way to go, gentlemen. Right, exactly. <laughs> war, war, war. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> Henry the was an out was an exiled outcast who'd rallied support to his claim to the throne 
and led the Lancasters to victory at the Battle of Bosworth Field on August 22, 1485. Um, the Battle of Bosworth was this really big culminating event that really ended the War of the Roses. Richard III, he was the last Yorkish king, um, and he was part of this battle. So it was the Lancasters led by Henry VI and the Yorkists led by Richard III. Um, he... And uh, Richard III was not a good guy. He was the last Yorkish king. Um, he had usurped the throne from his 12-year-old nephew and then had thrown that nephew and his younger brother into the Tower of London. And most people were pretty sure that the boys had been murdered there as well. Um, and there was also speculation that he may or may not have murdered his wife. So Richard III was not a good dude. Most people really did not like him. And he did end up dying in this battle not painfully i hope pain well i don't know about painfully what happened was um the the lancasters were actually heavily outnumbered by the yorkists but they won because richard's two commanders split up the army and fucked up and didn't defend their king and because one of his noblemen betrayed him this nobleman's name was lord stanley and he happened to be the stepfather of henry the sixth so he kind of like waited outside of the battle lines to right. see how things were going, and then when he realized Henry was most likely going to win, he entered the battle on his side. Okay. Well, <laughs> now that you've said it that way, but I was also going to say about <laughs> Richard the Third. Yeah. When you treat people like this your whole life, and this is like who you are. Yeah. Watch your back on a battlefield. Mm -hmm, here, mm -hmm. <laughs> there are yeah. not going to be people there to defend. Right. You. No one's going to be loyal to you. Exactly. No. Um. So. Henry, for his part, really didn't do anything. Um, in fact, Henry had sat back for most of the battle, and he had a horse ready and waiting to flee in case the battle did not go their way. He was a bit of a coward, um, but he was claimed king, pro proclaimed king as soon as the battle was over. Um, he married the sixth. Uh, yes. No, okay. the seventh. Oh my God! I'm so sorry. I, the sixth is the one that wrote the. These Roman numerals are going to fuck me up, okay? <laughs> I keep looking at so the Vs the and the Is, and it's fucking me up. I got you. Henry VII defeated Richard III in got battle, you. but he yes. didn't really even do anything. Technically, his army defeated Richard got III. Got it. Um, so Henry, I mean, he's not like a big, great, noble warrior. He was made out to be that way after the battle well for people to follow him he yes. has to be he has to be he there has to be legend he propagated his own legacy in order to seem more intimidating got it um and more of a, a more of a noble warrior king um he married elizabeth of york who was the eldest daughter of the dead yorkist king edward the sixth i got that right yes if it's a v and then an i it's six, <laughs> six. god damn it why did you do this <laughs> Fine. Just write one, two after it, so I know it's fucking Lancelot the Twelfth, all right? <laughs> um, he did this, one, because his claim to the throne was shaky, and he knew that marrying her would kind of give more claim. That happened all the time. Right, right. And also, it was an attempt to align the two houses, because right. she was a Yorkist and he was a Lancaster. There you go. So it was supposed to be this like unification of the country. Thanksgiving dinner was tense. Oh, it was very... <laughs> Say, <laughs> didn't you kill put a pike through my cousin's eye <laughs> in that one battle? No, that must have been another peasant. <laughs> Definitely another peasant. <laughs> Off with the 
Yes! <laughs> Good to get in a lot of that this episode. <laughs> um, um, he combined the white and red roses to create the emblem, the Tudor Rose. So that's the, you know, the very iconic red and white Tudor Rose that you see on all of their coat of arms. Um, like I said, Henry was not a warrior, but he was a very smart king and played the political game well. I was going to say, he was quite a politician. He was a very good politician. He was very good at getting people to trust him, at playing people and manipulating them to get what he wanted. Um, he gave people money and titles. He kind of, he, he was very good at buying loyalty. Because um, he wasn't really that nice of a person. Like, personality-wise, people uh. did not like him very much. There was still much resistance to his reign and civil unrest when he came to the throne, but he was able to quell it by sparing lives and sharing power and wealth. But this was not because he was a good and forgiving person. Uh, he was just a cunning one. He himself, so remember we said Richard III had usurped the throne from his 12-year-old nephew and then thrown that nephew and his younger brother into the Tower of London to basically waste away and die? Yes. Henry kind of did something very similar. He had taken a young man by the name of Edward Plantagenet, <laughs> who I guess was the only remaining claimant to the English throne through the Yorkists, yeah. um, and he threw him into the Tower of London and left him there for 14 years. He left this, this um, 10-year-old boy there for 14 years. It was not until 1499 when uh, this boy, Edward, was considered a potential threat to the royal claims of Arthur, who was Henry VIII's brother and his soon-to-be wife, Catherine of Aragon, that uh, Edward was executed. They wow. They killed him because they were like, well, Arthur's coming into the throne now. We need to make sure there are no potential threats. Um, so he was executed, and apparently Catherine, like our sweet, beloved Catherine, she felt guilty for his death for the rest of her life. Right. She felt horrible that he had to die in order for... Uh, for her and Arthur to have their their claim to the throne. So, Henry VII had two sons. His eldest son and heir apparent, Arthur, um, was born in 1486. His official titles were Prince of Wales, Earl of Chester, and Duke of Cornwall. Okay. And, and Arthur was named Arthur because he was supposed to be, like, the shining... Like, like you just showed me your, your Arthur yes. book. That's why he was named Arthur. He was supposed to be this, like, legendary king... That was going to come forward and, Absolutely. and you know, bring the Tudor dynasty into the new era. Um, so, contrary to popular belief, Arthur was not sickly throughout his lifetime, like a lot of people thought. He was well-educated, um, very athletic. He had an amiable and gentle personality and was overall, quote, a delicate lad, unquote. Nice. <laughs> nice. I had to add that. I found that in a source that someone said, he is a delicate lad. And I just thought that was nice to that's, say. That's a very um, nice thing to say. So the marriage between... Mowage. Mowage. <laughs> Mowage is what brings us together here today. <laughs> I will never forget how hard I laughed the first time. No, so I didn't watch that movie until I was maybe like, I was older, like 13 or 14 oh my years God, old. It's so wonderful. And mom just randomly mentioned it. She's like, You've never seen The Princess Bride? So she goes and rents it. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to watch this. This is going to be dumb. She's like, No, you'll like it. And I loved it, of course. And then we get to the. Because it just comes out of nowhere. The priest gets up there and you don't know what he's going to say. And he opens his mouth and he just goes, Mowish! <laughs> 
house too. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, sorry. Oh. I really threw you off. No, there. but I love it. So yes, <laughs> the marriage <laughs> between Arthur and Catherine. We will explain who Catherine is in a minute for anybody who might be confused. Um, it was purely of Aragon. Catherine of Aragon. Yes, yeah. it was purely political. It was meant to form an English and Spanish alliance against France because English and France have been enemies pretty much always <laughs> since God made the right. Earth. They're always they were always trying to one up each other. Um, not to mention Henry got a huge dowry from Catherine worth five million pounds in today's money. Ooh. And from what I understand, pounds are somewhat larger than American dollars. I think. So $5 million in pounds might be even more in American money. I don't know. Or do I have that wrong? (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I have no idea. I'd like to to do this for you, but I can't. So um, Arthur and Catherine were married when Catherine was 16 and Arthur was 15. She was just a little bit older than Arthur. Um, Holy cow. Well, I guess that was pretty (laughs) common. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were 15 and 16 when they got married. Arthur was 15. Uh, they met for the first time in 1501, and they had been in communication with each other via letters for a long time. They would write letters back and forth to each other in Latin. Um, but when they met face-to-face, they realized they had mastered different pronunciations. Oh, no, it must be so difficult to be so smart that we don't speak the same form of Latin. So awkward. <laughs> I just would like to say how much more freaking intelligent people were back yeah, then. Yeah, they just spoke in Latin. They could just Multiple do that. languages. Multiple languages. Well, and we'll get into that because okay. Catherine herself was very, very smart. Yeah. Um, so the marriage ceremony was followed. The marriage ceremony between Catherine and Arthur was followed by the only recorded bedding ceremony of royal couples in 16th century Britain. Mom, do you know what a bedding ceremony uh, is? Oh, everybody stand yeah. around. Uh. It's just as bad as it sounds. <laughs> um, don't worry, they didn't they it it does not require that they consummate the marriage in front of anybody, thank God. Uh what what basically happened was a bishop so like they're both escorted into the bedchamber. The bishop sprinkles the bed with holy water and prays over it. There's people with fucking lutes and mandolins playing music. And these two teenagers are just sitting in the bed while everybody's staring at them like, have fun fucking, you know? That's how my wedding night was. (laughs) (laughs) Lutes and mandolins. (laughs) No, not. (coughs) No. (laughs) Oh, God, I'm dying. Help me. Okay, so, um, Catherine and Arthur established residency at Ludlow Castle, um, but Arthur had been feeling unwell since before the wedding. In March of 15... Was he poisoned? No. No, okay. he was not. He okay, was not. Um, Arthur was definitely not poisoned. It's believed that he died of sweating sickness, um, which was... Influenza of some sort. Uh, an influ- it was a fever of some sort, yeah. yeah. Um... So Catherine and Arthur were both struck with an unknown illness, most likely sweating sickness. Catherine recovered, but Arthur died at the age of 15. Um, Henry and Elizabeth, his parents, were absolutely devastated by their son's death. And so was the young Prince Henry, who was only 10 years old, and now the heir apparent to the English throne. And Henry had never been prepared to be king. Now, oftentimes in, you know, in this time period when rulers had to worry about producing heirs um they had a little phrase that they would say when 
where, you know, you need an heir and you need a spare. So because people dying randomly <laughs> when they were young was so common back then, it was like, okay, if you have one son, that's great, but you should, you should, def should def definitely that first right, one dies. Right, right, right. So <laughs> this is pre-penicillin. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Henry was only 10 years old when his brother Arthur died. So let's just really quick get into the life and times. Let's just really quick get into the life of time and times of Henry VIII. So Henry was born June 28, 1491. So his birthday's coming up pretty soon. Nice. Nice. Um, of his seven siblings, so his mother gave birth to seven children. Oh, not all of them lived. Well, only he and three others survived into adulthood. So that would be his brother Arthur, who we've talked about, his older, no, his younger sister Margaret, and his older sister Mary. And his sister Mary would go on to be the third wife of King Louis Twelfth of France, who was 30 years her senior. <laughs> So, yeah, that kind of sucked. But then she was secretly married to Henry's friend, the Duke of Suffolk, Charles Brandon. <laughs> and if he looked anything like Henry Cavill, ooh, honey, you did good <laughs> for go, 13th girl. century England because most of the men back then were not good looking. Oh, that was after the king died. That was after the king died. Yes, yes. Got, it. got it. And then she was secretly married because they, in the show, they had, like, a thing for each other, but then she had to go marry the king, and then she came back, and then they had the secret... Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. and the king was originally, like, not cool with that when he found out. Exactly. When he found out that Mary and Brandon had gotten married behind his back, but he was eventually fine with it. Um, and they really risked themselves, when you think about it, by doing What that. people do for love. You really shouldn't when Henry VIII is around, because he's willing to do some crazy, <laughs> fucking crazy-ass <laughs> shit. Um, so not much is known about Henry's early life, because he was, after all, not expected to become king. Uh, but he was fluent in Latin and French and a few other languages. He was said to very much enjoy reading and writing from a young age. He was very athletically gifted. Um, he was known to be jovial, witty, compassionate, and generous, and someone who loved to have fun and loved to be surrounded by friends. He was a very carefree soul in his early years. When Arthur died, Henry was quickly given his titles and named heir apparent, but his father secluded him from public life, to shield him from potential disease and dissenters that would do him harm. Um, he was so, um, Henry VII was pretty fucked up after losing Arthur so unexpectedly, and he was so worried that the same thing was going to happen to Henry that he kind of turned into a right. bit of an asshole. Well, I um, think that um, royal life drove a lot of them crazy anyway. Just Royal life fucking sucked. Yeah. You couldn't do anything right. you wanted to do. Right. I mean, Henry and the could. pressures and the fears. I mean, talk about paranoia. Oh, God, yeah. You always have to worry about, like, what if someone tries to kill me? Because that happened all the fucking time back then. And it could be your family. Yeah. Your own family your, members, Oh, right? yeah, all the time, so, constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And disease was everywhere, obviously. People dropping like flies out you know, of nowhere. Right. So, um, Henry VII died in April of 1509. And the 17-year-old Henry VIII immediately succeeded him as king. Um, so, let me see here. We're going to skip ahead just a little bit. Let's talk about the woman who was married to Henry's brother Arthur and then eventually to Henry himself, Queen Catherine of Aragon, the Spanish princess. We love 
Catherine of Aragon, don't we, Mom? She put up with so much. God, that woman. She was definitely my favorite character in the Tudors. Like, whenever she popped up in the Tudors, I would instantly just go, everything's gonna be okay. They just presented her as such a genuine person, Mm -hmm. you know? She really loved Henry. Oh, she was treated like such shit. It's awful. You are gonna feel... If, if you are someone coming into this not knowing anything about this story, you are going to be so sad for Catherine by the end of this. Wow. So, Queen, um, Catherine's parents were Isabella I of Castile and Ferdinand II of Aragon. Now, if those names sound familiar to you, it might be because, one, her parents were responsible for the reconquest and reunification of Spain from the Moors. So the Moors had gone in and invaded Spain and took it over. Her parents basically took it back from the Moors. But more than they, likely. <laughs> they, began, they began the Spanish Inquisition, which no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Do you know that joke? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and if you don't know that joke, again, what are you doing with your life? Watch old Monty Python skits because no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> and... Probably, most likely, what do you think people would know them for, Mom? In 1492, Columbus sailed, Columbus the, ocean sailed blue, the ocean blue and then gave smallpox-infested blankets to the natives in order to kill them all because he so was he a could horrible have a, person. So he could have a holiday named after him. Chris, no? Yes. <laughs> Christopher Columbus was a horrible human being. Just so everybody knows, I do not recognize Columbus Day. Indigenous person. In, I call it, yes, we call it Indigenous Persons Day. And we use it to celebrate um, the history of indigenous people in this country. Um, what was Pocahontas's dad's name in Pocahontas? Was it Chief Powhatan? Yeah. Yes. In the words of Chief Powhatan, these white men are dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, was he fucking right. Um, <laughs> so. See, don't let anyone ever tell you Disney doesn't come in here. Disney teaches you so many lessons, <laughs> including the fact that white men are very dangerous. Okay. Um, and animals will not come through your window and do your hair just because you <laughs> sing to them. Oh, uh, you tried that? I tried. <laughs> I was very disappointed in the outcome. Very disappointed. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> we are getting so off track. <laughs> Like Henry now, like he would try to sing to the animals, and as soon as one of them like shit on his floor, he'd just be like, <laughs> just fucking chop oh, off their head. head. <laughs> um, okay, so Catherine was trained to be a queen by her very powerful mother. She was expertly trained in religion, history, several languages. She loved to read and write. She had a love of poetry and music. She was very artistic, very and intellectual, and she. Her whole entire life, Catherine was a very generous, loving, compassionate soul, um, which for a noble in that time was pretty remarkable because most of the nobles of that time did not give a shit about anybody but themselves. And they only sought to, you know, for for personal gain. Um, So when Arthur died, Catherine found herself in this weird sort of political limbo. Her father, Ferdinand, nor her new father-in-law, Henry, wanted to support her, which is pretty shitty. So she was forced to live hand-to-mouth, dismissing many of her servants and selling her jewelry and other expensive possessions for food. 
During this time, Catherine was appointed and served as Spanish ambassador to England. She was the first female ambassador in Europe. Way to go. And she was still pretty young when that was going on. Like, 17, 18, 19 years old. Um, she... So, unfortunately, trouble started very... Catherine announced her first pregnancy two months after the wedding. But she delivered a stillborn girl five months after that. So her first child was a daughter, and it was born stillborn. She became pregnant again just four months later, and on New Year's Day, 1511, gave birth to a son, Henry, Duke of Cornwall. There was huge celebrations for the birth of the little prince throughout the country. Henry was over the moon. He was like, I've done it. I've got my male heir. He was so happy. Unfortunately, the baby died 52 days later. Uh, And that was a huge blow. To both Catherine and Henry, but Henry, you know, their their marriage was still new. They were both still young. He was like, "This sucks, but we have time to have more children. We have time to have more sons." Um, in June of fifteen thirteen, Henry appointed Catherine Queen Regent of England while he went off to war in France, giving her the titles Governor of the Realm and Captain General. He trusted no one else with this job but her, and he could have appointed one of his male ambassadors or council people. No, he chose Catherine. He was like, Catherine's going to handle this because she's the only one I trust. Um, so while he's away, uh, during her regency, King James, okay, the I comes before the V. That means it's the fourth. Okay. <laughs> God, fuck these Roman numerals. <laughs> King James the fourth of Scotland invaded northern England, and Henry's away. Oh, thinking that. Yeah, he's like, oh, now's now's my chance, right? And 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 so Catherine, Catherine does not shrivel up like a delicate flower. Nope, she is six months pregnant and rides north at full speed in full armor, full regalia to address and rally her troops. She gives them this stirring speech that just completely invigorates them, and they go to battle and they defeat the Scottish invaders. King James was killed in battle, and Catherine sent Henry his blood-soaked cloak as a trophy. And Henry could not have been more fucking proud of his wife. He was like, my wife's a fucking badass. Look at this shit. Do you see this bloody-ass coat she sent me? Yeah, that's the Scottish king's coat. She's awesome. (laughs) You know, like, it was, and Catherine was awesome. She was. I mean, no other woman had done that before, well, that's not completely true. Lots of other women had proven themselves as leaders and, and warriors um, throughout their time. But for her to be a queen, a sitting queen pregnant. of England and pregnant and to do that was completely, yeah. It just really sucks because that moment and that whole thing was really, really great. A few days after the battle, Catherine went into labor prematurely and gave birth to a stillborn boy. Shit. Yeah. Um... So that sucked a lot for both of them. Um, Another short-lived boy was born and died in December of 1514. So she has given birth to four children already. No. Yeah. Four. Four children, and they've all died. Um, Finally, in the early winter months of 1516, Catherine gave birth to her only child who would live into adulthood and would eventually become the first recognized Queen of England, Mary Tudor I who would eventually come to be known as Bloody Mary. And we will get into why she is called Bloody Mary. 
Even when you think about it. Well, but, uh, she, man, well, you know, sometimes your life just I, translates into, I feel so Killing folk. I feel so bad for Mary. We will <laughs> get you? into. Okay. No, I do. We will get into why I feel bad for Mary. I'm not defending her. Okay. But I do feel bad for her. So, Catherine's religious dedication increased as she became older, as did her interest in academics. She continued to broaden her knowledge and provide training for her daughter, Mary. She made educating women in England fashionable because she was so into academics and learning. She donated tons of money to colleges. Um, she would bring women into her chambers to, like, read with them and talk about things, right, you know. Right. She really felt that women deserved to be um, to be included in, in intellectual circles. And she really had a lot of influence in that. Henry pretty much supported her on that, which most people would not think he would, and he did. Henry, however, still considered a male heir essential. The Tudor dynasty was new and its legitimacy might still be tested. Um, Henry doted on Mary and showed her great warmth and affection, but he was clearly dis deeply disappointed that Mary was a girl. Catherine became pregnant once more in the early winter of 1518, but gave birth prematurely to a daughter who lived only a few hours. Henry and Catherine continued trying to have children, but by 1516, Henry was beginning to stray. Now, here's the thing about kings and mistresses. Apparently, during this time, it was weird if a king didn't have mistresses. Right. And according they, to they them. They usually lived in the tower. Yeah. And the queen was usually very, very much aware mm -hmm. of Absolutely. what was going on. Um, we're both taking a, a sip break. Give me a second. Okay. <clears throat> I have a margarita. I have a glass of Merlot. And my mother has a glass of Merlot. <laughs> um, the other thing, apparently the reason why kings did that a lot back then, well, at least this was the reason they gave, <laughs> was because they had to prove their virility, they had to prove their manlyhood, like they had to be able to show that they could, I don't know, I but uh, th this is what I've read, like it was a show a lot of, of yeah. manhood. Yes. Yeah. Um, so if a king didn't have a lot of mistresses, it was actually considered kind of weird. Like, oh, what's wrong with him? You know what I mean? How dare he be loyal to his wife? So strange. <laughs> See, this is the hypocrisy, though. Like, this, this religious hypocrisy goes back so far. Because this society is supposedly ruled by strict... Catholicism. No, no, look back at the and popes in that era and the church. So, Mom, the entire church is just one big hypocritical joke then. No. <laughs> no. Yes. No. The humans involved in the church are extremely fallible. We're all human, though. Right. The faith, it's not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to have this conversation right no, now? No, no, we don't have to have this conversation right now. Okay. I have no issue with anybody being religious. I'm just saying that, like, it's just ridiculous because supposedly their entire lives, every second of every day, was hinged on religion. But it's like, oh, no adultery. Unless you're the king, then you better fuck as many people as you possibly can to prove that you're a man. That's okay. Right. But during that 
period of time, even the clergy had mistresses. Oh. It was disgusting. Wol- Wolsey did. Yeah. Exactly. So Cardinal Cardinal Wolsey, and I wasn't going to talk about him on this because he's not really pertinent to this story, but Cardinal Wolsey was like the the main cardinal at Henry's side for most of his reign, considered to be one of his close confidants and stuff like that. And uh, Wolsey himself had several mistresses, and he was a part of the clergy. Yeah, it was, I mean, many popes throughout history had illegitimate children. Many did. Um, So, I hate when I lose my place. One of Henry's most significant mistresses was named Elizabeth Blount, she was involved from Henry with Henry from 1516 to 1519, and in June of 1519, she gave birth to the king's illegitimate son, Henry Fitzroy. Right. And Henry completely recognized this child. Everyone it, in the... Um, everyone in the court did. The court did. It's not like it was like, oh, no, we're going to hide him. This is the king's bastard son. No, it was like, this is my son. Um, his surname, Fitzroy, means son of the king. So, and, and I know not a lot of people watch Game of Thrones, but my mom and I watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> and remember how on Game of Thrones, um, if you were a bastard, you would get a certain surname depending on your region. So, Jon Snow was named Jon Snow because he's from the north. If you were in the south, your surname would be Sun or Flowers or Sand or something like that. Interesting, right? Right. Um, it's not that interesting if you don't watch Game of Thrones, but I thought it was interesting. Um, and yeah, so Henry kept in contact with his son, Henry Fitzroy. Henry Fitzroy knew who his father was. He was like, yeah, my, my dad's a fucking king. You know, and it was always, it was always agreed upon that if anything happened and Henry did not have a legitimate male heir, the throne would go to Henry Fitzroy. Oh boy. So let's get into the part of his life when Henry meets Anne Bolin. But first, let's talk a little bit about Anne. Um, I'm just going to say right now, I love Anne Bolin. I do. She was manipulated by her father mm-hmm. and her brother mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and forced to behave a yeah, certain way. Her brother way. got the short end of the stick, too. Oh, literally. <laughs> and, um,. I just think that, you know, you have to put yourself back into the cultural realities that existed at the time. That women faced, especially. And yeah. women just had no power. They had none. Nothing to bring in terms of, like, their own um, worth and their own value. Right? Yeah, that's so true. So she had to follow the dictates of her father and her brother. Absolutely she did. She had no other choice. Right. Um, so the exact birth date of Anne is unknown, but um, it's um, sometime in the summer between 1501 and 1507. She was a few years younger than Henry. She came from a highly prominent, influential, and well-respected family, so she was definitely considered to be of noble birth. She received a very good education under the instruction of a woman named Margaret of Austria, so Margaret of Austria, uh, she was a total badass also. She was a political influencer. She actually, like, helped one of the kings of France basically throughout his entire reign. And if he hadn't had her by her by his side, he would have flopped. Um, nice. There are so many examples of women throughout history. 
standing on the sidelines in the in the wings helping men keep their shit together and then not getting any credit for it like <laughs> it, it happens a lot and margaret of austria unfortunately was one of those people she was hella smart she believed in the education of young women so she took anne in and anne um had a very good education including arithmetic grammar history reading spelling and writing she mastered many different games and skills such as dancing, music, singing, embroidery, and needlework. She was also taught archery, falconry, horseback riding, and hunting. Wow. So not only did she did she learn all of these things, she was good at all of these things. Um, Anne was very, very intellectual and very talented. Um, she studied for some years in the Netherlands under Margaret of Austria, and then she was sent by her father to France to be a maid of honor to Queen Mary, Henry's sister, as we said before, who was married to the King of France at this time. Um, so Anne spent seven years in France, and she studied and developed interests in arts, fashion, illuminated manuscripts. Yes. I don't know if you know what those are. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> Literature, music, poetry, and religious philosophy. She also acquired knowledge of French culture, dance, etiquette, literature, music, and poetry, and gained experience in flirtation and the game of courtly love. Damn, girl. <laughs> she was fucking smart. Not only was she fucking smart, she was compelling, enchanting. She had such a enamoring personality. Well, she Pe was groomed to be that. She was. But people were drawn to her. I mean, people just loved Anne. She had a sharp tongue and could have a terrible temper, but was considered to be brilliant, charming, driven, elegant, forthright, and graceful, with a keen wit and lively, opinionated, and passionate personality. I did not write that. That is from a source. <laughs> but I wanted to say it word for word. Because as I was reading it, I was like, wow, like, she sounds kind of awesome. <laughs> um, she was actually not considered to be as beautiful as her sister Mary. She was considered to be more plain between the two of them. Um, her sister Mary also served Queen Mary at the French court. There's a lot of Marys. Mm -hmm. Basically, in this time period, if you were a woman, you were either named Mary, Anne, or Catherine. That, that was the that only, seems to be it. The only name choices you had. <laughs> And every single man was named John. Every single one of them. Or Thomas. Or fucking Henry. I don't even know. <laughs> um, but, see, the, the problem with Anne's sister Mary was that she was a, she was a bit of a slut. <laughs> Just say it. She was a bit of a slut. <laughs> no, I don't like to slut shame. I really, really don't. But Mary, like... Even her own father was like, Mary, holy shit, can you keep it in your petticoats for, like, <laughs> one damn day? Mary was sleeping with the king of France. She was sleeping with a bunch of his courtiers. Like, she was just all over the place. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Yeah, it wasn't good. And that's why a lot of people liked Anne better. Because they were like, oh, she's so much more sophisticated. And she's not Trash. a fucking slut. So, Kay. yeah, it wasn't good. Um, Anne's Christian faith was also deepened and strengthened during her time in France, and she became very invested in humanism. So, during this time, um, most of Europe was Catholic, and um, 
the Catholic religion was still very elitist at this point. The Catholic Mass was still said in Latin, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. And yeah. you turn around and they were behind a curtain. And yeah. You had no idea what was happening. The Mass, the mass yeah. was not a public thing. More people understood Latin then. True. So they still say Masses in Latin today, but very few people speak Latin. Yeah. Well, and back then, very few people spoke Latin as well. Um, so, and... The royals did. Well, yes, but the, but the common person most likely did not. So, Anne started getting on board with this idea that religion needed to be more accessible to the common person. She, um, she started to lean more towards pro- Protestantism. Yes, yes, which will become important later in her relationship with Henry. Anne was called back to England and became one of Queen Catherine's ladies-in-waiting in in 1525 when she herself was about 25 years old. Um, In the few preceding years before Anne's arrival at court, Henry had been involved involved in an affair with Anne's sister, Mary. (laughs) No, say it's not so. And may have even fathered her, her two children, though this is not confirmed. I'm not trying to be... No, one was a boy. I'm not trying to be gross or anything, but can I just say, so in the Tudors, and I'm sorry, Mom, this is partially your fault that this is just burned into my brain. I didn't do this. This is just there now. There's a scene in the Tudors when Henry is with Mary Boleyn, and Mary's like, I learned this fun little trick in France. You want to see? And then she gives him a blowjob. I'm not kidding. And so, are they implying that the French created blowjobs? <laughs> you do not want me to comment on this. Move along with your little notes. I just wanted to know how she would react. Move along. She's very upset. <laughs> Move along. I'm just saying. I got you. So, are they saying the French invented blowjobs? I'm not commenting. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm laughing so hard. Oh, my God. Anyway. Ten four dinosaurs. Ten four dinosaurs. Just move on. So... Okay, yes. Um, so Henry saw Anne one night at a dance. And she could dance. That she girl. could dance. That girl could dance. That, God damn it. That's what I'm trying to say about Anne, is that she was very dynamic. She was not at all a one, one-dimensional one character. Very multifaceted, very talented, very compelling. Um, so yeah, he saw her dancing one night, and that was pretty much it. He saw her one time, and he was just like, that. That's what I want. <laughs> Think back to King Herod. Yeah. What that's all it took. Do? Yeah, that's all he took. All and like, took. off with your head. There yeah. you go. Um, so he, Henry immediately became enamored with Anne, and he soon began his seduction and courtship of her. But Anne had been very carefully trained by her ambitious father, uh, Thomas Boleyn, who was an earl at this point of something. I don't know. Um. And she knew how to keep the king's obsession with her burning hot so that he would not lose interest. Making him wait. Yes. She refused to go. She Basically, she refused to have sex with him. Yeah. Um, she would not. She was like, I will not have sex with you unless I am your lawful wife and queen. Um, and that just made Henry want her even more. He wanted what he could not have. Um, so... What's, what's also interesting, though, and they do kind of expound this a little bit in the Tudor show, I really do feel like there was a pretty strong intellectual connection between Henry and Anne. I mean, they did seem 
to be very passionate about the same sorts of things. Right. Um, he was a very lively and athletic man, you know, and I think he enjoyed the fact that she was also very athletic and energetic. Well, the impression you also got of Catherine is she became pretty dowdy, mm. you know. And Catherine was a little dowdy. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but she was a little older. Right, right, right. She and behaved older. And behaved older, and she... She, Catherine was very much that image of a very proper, pious, quiet, respectable queen. Yes. But to Henry, that was boring. Right. Um, so, but, and, and again, this seems to have started as a brilliant scheme to make Anne queen, devised by both her and her father and her brother. Um, and we will get to Anne's brother. Uh, but I think that Anne really did love Henry. I really think she did. Um, I also think this was, not to get, you know, too much into psychology, but this could very well have been Henry's, like, midlife crisis. This was very much Henry's midlife crisis. Right. Which, I mean, he was around, like, 30 years old when this happened, I think. But life expectancies back then were so much shorter Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So, you know, I think he just He was already close to death. He died at age 55, so, I mean... Yeah, more than halfway, right? Yeah, he didn't live very long at all. So I think that's a big part of it, too, is um, men just whack out at a certain point. They do. No offense. (laughs) No offense, but my mother and I have seen it firsthand. And it's ugly. It's not attractive, gentlemen. Listen, if you (laughs) feel like that's coming, please just go see a doctor or a therapist or talk to your wife. Don't go Don't buy, a buy a car. <laughs> Don't text that woman back on Plenty of Fish. Just delete your account. There you Think go. of your children. Um, <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, Henry quickly became convinced that in order to have a male heir, he had to marry Anne since Catherine was now in menopause and could bear him no more children. He argued to Pope Clement Seventh that his and Catherine's union was blighted in the eyes of God because she was his brother's widow. And there is a passage in the Bible, I guess in Leviticus, that specifically states you can't marry your brother's widow or you will have a childless marriage or something like that. Um, Which is weird because so many biblical characters marry marry their... Yeah. Well, actually, I do think he misinterpreted that. Okay. I do think he misinterpreted that, A, and... To his yes, advantage. Of course he did. And yes. B, it's also very interesting to realize here that Henry took absolutely no responsibility for the fact that he and Catherine had not yet produced a son. In his mind, he was like, I knocked up that other chick, and she gave birth <laughs> to a son, so there's obviously nothing wrong with me. It has to be Catherine completely not understanding the fact that the gender of the baby isn't the gender of the baby completely dependent on the on the sperm yeah but it's also timing within the cycle and they knew nothing of any of they knew nothing of any of that yeah wait really depending on like your timing in the cycle you're more likely to have a boy or a girl i think so wow i didn't know that that's very interesting the human body is an interesting (laughs) place isn't it and these people these people didn't know that's the thing that's right Uh, when, whenever people are like, oh my gosh, I wish I could go back to simpler times. I'm just like, literally, oh, people say, did not know their word. ass from their elbows back one then. One word. Lice. Lice. 
that, and, and I'm done. People didn't brush their teeth. Do you really want to live in a world where people didn't consistently brush their teeth and wear deodorant? I really don't think lies. they do. That's lies. All I can say. So much lies. Oh. Do you ever like sit back and think about just like how bad every single room must have smelled? Just because all the of itch. these people no. are so dirty. No, the itch. You and wore the itch. wool, and lice ran rampant. So everything you wore was full of lice. Oh, God. Just think about the hell every moment of your life would be. Right. As fucked up as 2020 is, I'm glad I'm living in it. Kind of. <laughs> okay, the face. I, I wish you could see the face. But I'm, yes. So, aliens, if you're <laughs> out there, I am ready to leave this <laughs> fucking planet. I'm outie. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, anyway, so he's trying to tell the Pope, hey, Bible says, shouldn't have married her in the first place, oopsie daisies, can you give me my divorce now? Um, and the Pope was not at all convinced by this. Um, so you're kind of a big to-do if we let you have a divorce. Right! Wow. And then we can let, like, everybody have a divorce, including this one guy who's beating his wife, and we can't make excuses for that, it's just Oh, uh, sorry, I have an issue with that. Um, but, and Henry even, Henry and his supporters tried to get Catherine to quietly retire to a nunnery. But she was just like, fuck you, I'm not doing that. Which she did eventually do. <laughs> eh, kinda, yeah, sort of. Um, the legality of the royal marriage was contested in public court. And Catherine basically, oh, oh, Catherine was so shamed, she had to humiliate herself by standing up in front of all these people and proclaiming that her marriage to Arthur had never been consummated and was therefore unlawful. So it was horribly humiliating for her and for Henry. The Pope still refused to grant the divorce. Um, and, and a completely irate Henry was not about to take no for an answer. He used the ongoing Protestant Reformation to make himself the head of the Church of England. And I'm not going to go into all of the political scheming that took place to make that happen because it's just way too much. But basically, several acts of parliament were passed. Didn't Wolsey go with him? Wolsey, Wolsey was on his side. No. Who became the something of Canterbury? What is it? Wolsey. Yeah. Yeah. Wolsey, he went with yeah, him. yeah, yep. he did. Okay. Um so he gave himself absolute power. He gave everybody he wanted absolute power. He liquidated all the finances from the monasteries and basically gave it to himself. Is there a bug in here? <laughs> there might be a stink bug in this room. So if you hear screams <laughs> it's my mother I hate them. Going ninja mode and oh my God, killing the motherfucker. Um she yeah, I hate them, she hates them, we all hate Duh. them. Uh, die, motherfucker. <laughs> um, yeah, so this basically gave Henry unchecked power. He was subsequently excommunicated from the Holy Roman Catholic Church and by Pope couldn't Clement. Care less. He didn't give an absolute fuck, and you want to know why? Because now he could do whatever he wanted. In 15... Oh, God, this is where it gets sad. Are you ready? Oh, God. In 1531, poor Catherine was banished from court and her rooms given to Anne. Anne already had a lot of queenly power and had taken over many of Catherine's duties at this point. So she was basically queen in everything except her name. Henry um, and Anne were married in a secret ceremony not long afterwards when Anne was 32 and Henry was 41. You know, that's still pretty late 
to be trying to bear children in that time. Yeah, that's pretty well. And I mean, most women at this at, at the, of this day and age were married by the time they were like twenty. That's what I'm saying. So if she's thirty two years old, the fact that she couldn't bury him on air, why was that a surprise? Right. Well, and and not a lot of people know this, but the I know I yada 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 through a lot there. It took seven years. So I think seven years. So from the time he met Anne to deciding he wants to divorce Catherine, going through all of this bullshit to actually divorce Catherine, getting her on the outs, bringing Anne in, that took seven years. Wow. So, yeah. Um, the series makes it go so much faster. The series, really, and it makes <laughs> it so much more interesting. Yeah, you're in a time warp um, there. Okay. Right. Okay, where was I? Um... And Anne almost immediately became pregnant. There's actually some speculation that Anne was already pregnant. Well, she said she wasn't going to sleep with him until they were married. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at you like, Mom, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Well, and there's speculation that she might have already been pregnant, so that's why Henry married her so quickly and in secret in order to legitimize the child in her stomach. Um, and technically... And uh, this technically actually made Henry a bigamist. Technically, for a while there, he was legally married to two women. So, you know, you can shove your religious ideals up your butt, sir, because you obviously don't care. Um, well, he ran the church, so he could make so he up could any do whatever excuses he wanted. for and, whatever. And not long after this, not long after this, his uh, marriage to Catherine was declared null and void, and his marriage to Anne declared valid, of course. Henry, um... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Catherine was stripped of her titles as queen, becoming instead Princess Dowager, because she was still the, the widow of Arthur. So that's why she's being called Princess Dowager. And Anne was crowned Queen Consort, which is different from queen. So Queen Consort just means you are the spouse of the king. You don't necessarily have the same regal responsibilities power. and duties and regal power as right, the queen. Right, Um. And a new act of succession was written, and Mary, Catherine's daughter, was declared illegitimate and no longer had a right to the English throne. And it was made clear that any children Anne bore would be the first to inherit the throne. So Mary is just completely ousted. And what about Henry out there? Young Henry. He died, right? The little guy? Little guy. His other heir. Henry Fitzroy? Shush, we'll get to that. Oh, shush. Um, <laughs> so many times I ventured. On September 7th, 1533, after a little less than nine months of pregnancy, Anne gave birth to a beautiful baby girl and named her in honor of both hers and Henry's mother because they had the same first name. Henry and Anne had no way of knowing that their baby daughter would grow up to become one of the greatest monarchs this world has ever seen, the Virgin Queen, Gloriana herself, Queen Elizabeth I, who is a fucking badass. I love Queen Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> so longest reigning, longest reigning, or second now? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I, her daughter is now a yeah, governor. But yeah, yeah. But God, I love Queen Elizabeth so much. Um, the king and queen, as in Henry and Anne, were not pleased with married life. <laughs> Um, they enjoyed periods of calm and affection where they'd be all fine and dandy, but Anne was not super into playing the submissive role. 
she did not want to be cowed and quieted and she was not okay with it and accepting of it the way Catherine was. Her vivacity and opinionated intellect that had made her so attractive as an illicit lover made her too independent for the largely ceremonial role of a royal wife. So what had made her so fun and exciting as a mistress, now as a queen, was very aggravating. (laughs) Um, For his part, Henry disliked Anne's constant irritability and violent temper. Um, After a false pregnancy or miscarriage in 1534, so about a year after Elizabeth was born, um, Henry saw her failure to give him a son as a betrayal. So he, Henry turned on Anne pretty fucking quick, which is really sad because Anne was very happy to be queen. Um, we got to talk about Catherine really quick. The end of Catherine. Oh, and I'm sad just thinking about it. <sighs> Until the end of her life, Catherine would refer to herself as Henry's only lawful wedded wife and England's only rightful queen and her servants continued to address her by that title. She was eventually transferred to Kimbolton Castle, uh, where she lived out the rest of her days, confined to one room, and she would only leave leave that room once a day to attend Mass. Um, And she would stay in that room, fasting continuously, doing acts of penance and contrition. She she did that thing where she, like, wore a hair shirt. And if you're not religious, you're probably like, what the fuck? (laughs) It's like this this order of Franciscans who used to do this thing where they'd wear these like shirts made of animal hair that were super self-penance. itchy and inco- uncomfortable as a form of of self penance. Yeah. yeah. What what she felt she needed to, you know, repent for, uh, I don't know. Um, bad taste. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't have any choice in the matter though. Um, so she, she was for this is the sad part. She was forbidden to see her daughter Mary. Oh, that's and they were forbidden from writing to each other. Mary is not very old at this point. Mary's, like, in her teens, probably. So she is just devastated by this separation from her mother, this rejection by her father. That's all going to play a huge role later in Mary's life. Um, so Henry said, look, the two of you can live in comfort. And the two of you can have much better accommodations. And the two of you can see each other and hang out. But you have to acknowledge Anne as queen. And neither of them would do it. Mary and Catherine were like, no, fuck you. She's not our queen. And honestly, respect. (laughs) Respect. Um, But it's just sad because Catherine never saw her daughter again. And Mary never saw her mother. Um, Which you gotta figure created some serious that's what trauma i'm telling you mary is fucked up and she's fucked up for a reason yeah she is um catherine died at kim bolton castle on january 7th 1536 age 50 most likely of cancer um there was an autopsy performed on her body and there was like a black growth around her heart and a lot of people at that time were convinced that Anne had either poisoned her or put a spell on her. And that was why she had died. Because they had no idea what that was. They didn't know what cancer was. They didn't know what cancer was. Um, so, really quick, 
Catherine knew that her end was near. And she sent Henry this letter that I remember from the scene in the Tudors. I remember him sitting in his room reading this him. letter, falling the fuck apart because I think he finally realized what he had done to Catherine. Right. And Catherine's final words to him, I have them right here. Would read you like them. to hear them? Please read them. These are um, the last letter Catherine ever wrote in her life, and it was to Henry. My most dear lord, king, and husband, the hour of my death now drawing on, the tender love I owe you forceth me, my case being such, to commend myself to you, and to put you in remembrance with a few words of the health and safeguard of your soul, which you ought to prefer before all worldly matters, and before the care and pampering of your body, for the which you have cast me into many calamities, and yourself into many troubles." For my part, I pardon you everything, and I wish to devoutly pray God that he will pardon you also. For the rest, I commend unto you our daughter Mary, beseeching you to be a good father unto her, as I have heretofore desired. I entreat you also, on behalf of my maids, to give them marriage portions, which is not much, they be but being free. For all my other servants, I solicit the wages due them, and a year more, lest they be unprovided for. Lastly, I make this vow, that mine eyes desire you above all things. Signed, Catherine the Queen. Because she went out like a Rock, fucking girl. bam. <laughs> Go, girl. Oh, that makes me, doesn't that make you sad? Oh, but you know you got to respect the power. God, she, so much dignity, so much grace, so much. I, I, and, and people can make fun of me if you want for my, fierce and passionate love of Catherine of Aragon all you want, but I have one more quote from her. Um, soon after her divorce from Henry, she was quoted as saying, I would rather be a poor beggar's wife and be sure of heaven than queen of all the world and stand in doubt thereof by reason of my own consent. So she wouldn't recognize Anne. Yeah. R.I.P. Catherine of Aragon. Queen of England, <laughs> queen of my fucking heart. <laughs> I love you, and you are wonderful. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, yeah. So that's kind of sad, right? This section is called Off With Anne's Head and oh, no. The New Jane in Town. <laughs> oh, God. I, I labeled all of these sections with super fun names. <laughs> so Anne was living her best life as queen. In fact, her motto – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, if there's any validity to the series, she did party a bit. Anne? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anne was a huge partier. She loved to have fun. Yeah. She loved to drink wine, play games. And she wasn't all that worried about having men around. No, because. Not that she was disloyal. No, but, her, but some of her closest friends were men. Okay. And that was considered improper for her to be friends with men the way she was. Right, right, right. Okay. And that's, unfortunately, that's going to contribute to her very quick downfall. Hi, yeah, yeah. This is the thing that gets me about Henry. He literally moved heaven and earth to be with Anne. He changed his entire country's fucking religion so he could be with this woman. Yeah. And then within two and a half years, he had pissed her off. And, well, you'll see what happened. <laughs> pissed it's, her off. 
I mean, she, she, she had pissed him off, yeah. yeah. So, um, Anne's, Anne's motto, because I guess all the queens have a motto, her motto was, the most happy. Good for you, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna she, come up with my I'm own gonna fucking come up with my motto. Fucking motto. <laughs> I still love Anne, but that doesn't mean she's not a homewrecker. She definitely is. I need a motto. Anne was like the original homewrecker. I still need a motto. <laughs> <laughs> I think your motto is going to be gunpowder and lead. <laughs> ah! A la, I have a motto! A la fucking Miranda Lambert. I I'm going to show motto. him what a little girl's made of. <laughs> um, I like it. I like it a lot. I'm going to tattoo it on my ass. You should. <laughs> continue. Sorry. <laughs> How am I supposed to continue after you just said you're going to tattoo something on your ass? Do you think getting tattooed is some? Do you think getting a tattoo on your ass hurts? I'm sure it does. I'm sure it doesn't anywhere <laughs> hurts. Well, I was told to get one on my back because, because it, it wouldn't hurt. hurt. But my sister lied to me. <laughs> Pants on fire. Okay. Uh, liar, liar, pants on fire. Anne was spending lavish amounts of money and presided over a magnificent court. I mean, you and I have watched the Tudors. During, when Anne was queen, it was fucking party time. <laughs> it was lit. The function was lit. I mean, like, they were having so much fun. But at the same time, she knew her position as Henry's wife and queen was shaky if she did not give him a son. They had confidently expected Elizabeth to be a boy, and they were both pretty embarrassed when she wasn't because they had already prepared letters announcing the birth of a prince, so they had to go in and add, like, two S's to the end of prince to change it to princess. Ah. And um, they had planned for this, like, big jousting tournament for the announcement of the birth of an heir, and they canceled that. So yeah, that's a lot more than just like painting the nursery the wrong color. Yeah, no, it's ill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, and Henry, Henry had married Anne because Anne had basically told him, "I will give you a oh, son. I, know, I, know. I will give you a son." And when that baby came out, a girl, that was like that's how quick it was for Henry. As soon as as Elizabeth was born, he was like. I don't think this is going the way I want it to. So, um, Henry and Anne received news of Catherine's death the day after she died, and they were overjoyed and dressed in all yellow and celebrated with a big party and festivities. This was seen as highly indecent and inappropriate on Anne's part and solidified mm. many people's opinions that Anne was a whore and a usurper. She was called the king's whore, the king. I mean, people were not... Pe the, the common people did not like Anne very much. They had loved Queen Catherine, obviously, because she was fucking awesome. And then they got Anne, and they were like, who the fuck is this hussy? They did not like her one little bit. And um, she tried. She did. You know, like, she would go into the streets, and she would hand out coins and stuff. Yeah, she did try. Yeah. But she just didn't have that same motherly... Everybody loved Catherine because she just had this gentle, loving nature. And I know you're going to look at me and you're going to go, Mom. But there was a peace about her. No, there was. And it came from her face. Okay. There you are. The face. <laughs> you <laughs> didn't I did the thing the she face. said that I would do. I did you the face. You didn't see the face. <laughs> it was there. I'm just saying but that she being... But she really had yeah. a peace about her. She did. And... And again, they really picked the perfect person to play her in that series. Because even when she came on screen, I would just be like, 
everything's gonna be okay now. <laughs> Queen Catherine's here. Oh. But she also had a mature. The actress had a maturity about her. Oh, she her really did. That made her seem awkward for Henry because he wanted to be very yeah. masculine and young and youthful. And yeah, she, they always presented this actress as like dowdy and dowdy and older and old. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But 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 they so it well. sweet and loving and just oh, I love Queen Catherine. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get emotional again. So yeah, a lot of people were not cool with the way she. Well, that's trashy. You don't it was that. trashy. Um, and that's the one thing I will hold against Anne is that Anne was very shitty to Catherine. That was not okay. Um, Anne was pregnant again at this time, but Henry had already begun paying court. To one of her ladies in waiting, young, beautiful, and pious. Do you know her name? So James. This, James Seymour. Seymour. Good job. <laughs> These are the kind of history nerds we are. Rumored to be the only real woman he ever loved. Yeah, I, I was about to argue that actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, Henry gave Jane a locket with a picture of himself inside, and Jane took to opening it and shutting it in the queen's presence. Anne responded to this by ripping the locket off of Jane's neck with such force that Anne's fingers bled. I mean, she just, it was not good. Um, Anne also walked in on Jane sitting on Henry's lap once and flew into what was described as a biblical rage. I don't even want to know what went on there. Later that month, but you've mentioned before that Henry didn't like her temper. Like he she hated was her temper. Prone to here, and here was the other thing: is that Catherine accepted Henry's philandering because she understood he's a king; it's gonna happen. And her dad, I'm yes. sure, had. And her dad, her own father, probably had lots of mistresses. Yeah, I would imagine. Anne was not okay with that. Anne was like, "What the fuck? You told me I." Was your one true wife. You told me I was it. And now you're going to try to have mistresses when you're with me? I don't think so. And Henry did not like that. Um, Later that month, the king was unhorsed in a jousting tournament. And he was knocked unconscious for two hours. So he's knocked off his horse. He's unconscious for two hours. Most likely suffered a concussion. He recovered, but the wound in his leg would never fully heal. And it would cause him great constant pain for the rest of his life. This is believed to be a major turning point in Henry's life and the beginning of his descent into obesity, tyranny, and madness. He did, I'm probably jumping ahead again, Mm -hmm. but didn't he get sick with something that was similar to like a meningitis also? Um, I don't have that in, I didn't see that anywhere in my notes, but I do remember that happening on the show. Maybe it's connected to this event. Yeah. Because... He was seeing um, hallucinations and mm-hmm. from the fever from yes. the yes. leg. Okay, he was okay. really well, and the leg did get infected. Right, okay. and it, it it never fully healed. He was really fucked up, both physically and mentally, from this injury. And and after this injury, he was no longer able to be athletic as he once was, and that's when he became fat and ugly and had that hair trigger temper. And was just very cruel and malicious. And by ugly, you mean like his personality became very ugly. Well, and also, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and he, well, and and he, um, you know, back in 
back in that time, they ate very the nobility ate very rich, unhealthy, buttery food, and right, right, right. he'd always been able to work it off because he was so athletic. Now with this leg injury, he was super restricted with what he could do, and he just started piling on the weight. Um, I think he was about. I think that's the image that we normally see. And up until this point, he was not that way. He was right. young and athletic and very energetic. Um, so the stress of this incident may have also been what triggered Anne to miscarry her child a few days later. I remember this scene in the Tudors, too. That was awful. It was awful. Um, you just hear Anne, played by the wonderful Natalie Dormer. Uh, she's Isn't she great? She's <laughs> good. Um, but you hear her just scream this horrible scream off screen and then someone runs into the room and she's standing up and her the front of her white nightgown is just covered in blood the one i remember she was in bed that's the one i remember and the behavior is like she's trying to hold it in like she's she's using her hands to try to as if like you could physically yeah. force some miscarriage yeah. to not occur yeah. yeah um it was really bad um and unfortunately what makes it even worse was that this miscarried baby was another was boy. boy it was another boy one ambassador to the king commented quote she had miscarried of her savior unquote which really because my thing is, is if that she had, if she had given birth to that child and it had been a healthy baby boy, I think she would have lived. Exactly. But because the child died, this was considered to be the beginning of the end of the royal marriage. Um, as Anne recovered from her miscarriage, Henry declared that he had been seduced into marrying her by means of sortilege, which is a French term indicating either deception or spells. Right. So he's basically like, she's a seductive hussy, and that's why I married her. Well, or she's a witch. Or like she's they, a witch. That Literally, like a been... straight-up fucking witch. Yeah, that would have been legit A lot of people thought she then. was. People made up rumors about her and said she had, like, six fingers and toes. Yeah, that would have been legit On one hand. Then. People yeah. would have bought into that yeah. immediately. Um, his new mistress, Jane Seymour, was quickly moved into royal quarters, and the end came about very quickly. It's kind of fucking terrifying. Makes your head spin. It makes your head spin. How quickly, within a matter of days, she went from being the queen's wife to dead. Queen's wife? Queen's wife. She went from being the king's wife to dead. I mean, it's insane. Well, he had her imprisoned. Well, hang on. So, the end, like I said, the end came about very quickly for her, and some of those close to her, which was a very unfortunate collateral damage in Henry's rage. So, a musician in her service by the name of Mark Smeaton, was arrested and eventually confessed to being her lover and named four other men who allegedly slept with the queen. But this confession was almost definitely brought out under torture. And wasn't he gay? Mark Smeaton? In the show, he was. So in the Tudor show, this musician is portrayed as being super fucking gay. But then... So he never would have done with So her. he never would have slept with her. But, and there's no proof that he was gay in real life right, but he was right, on right. the show and in the show it was really oh it was bad i think he was the guy who got the eyeball treatment remember oh i thought he was the hot rod oh was he mm-hmm. where did the hot rod go right up his anus <laughs> yeah 
Yes. No! That was a very common torture method. Why? The fuck is wrong with the medieval (laughs) world? Medieval. That's why we call it medieval. Okay, there are so many, so many other podcasts out there that have done episodes on, like, medieval torture methods and stuff. I can't talk about that stuff. It it's makes vile. me queasy. It's vile. It makes me queasy and right. vile. Oh, I feel, I can't even think about it. Mm-mm. So it was either the hot rod up the butt or there was another person in the Tudors who was tortured by, they put those like weird like weights over his eyes and crushed And his then eyes. like crushed his eyes into his skull. Remember? That might have been Mark Smeaton or that might have been another person. Okay, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, just don't torture people. That's fucked up. Um, so the men that the musician named, one of them included a good friend of the king, a nobleman by the name of Henry Norris, and Anne's own brother, George. There was no proof of this. There was no proof of any of this. Okay. Anne was almost assuredly innocent. Right. Almost certainly positively innocent. I mean, she was a bitch. She was a bitch, but I don't think she cheated on Henry. I don't think she did either. Um, so let me see here. On May 2nd, 1536, after only two and a half years of marriage, Anne was arrested and brought to the Tower of London, where she soon stood trial for adultery, incest, and high treason. She was even accused of plotting the king's death with her lovers. Anne pleaded with her husband for mercy and maintained her innocence. But she and the other men, including her brother, were all found guilty. Was her father also in prison? I think her father was in prison, but I but it, he it, was it didn't released. it didn't say okay. on in any of my sources that he was um killed. So I think her father got off scot free. Not scot free though, because he lost both of his children. Right. Well two right. of his children. Right. right. Um but I mean she pleaded and, you know, begged Henry, please. But he would not listen to her. Um, she and her brother and all of the other men were found guilty. Smeaton, two other accused men, and George were all sentenced to death. Um, and they were all beheaded at the Tower of London in view of Anne's room. And that's not just a thing they used in the Tudor show. In real life, Anne watched her brother beheading from her tower window and knew that it was going to be her too. Which is interesting, though, because um, in England at the time, the penalty for treason was being hanged, drawn, and quartered. You don't want to know what goes on with being hanged, drawn, and quartered. Oh. It's bad. Um, and But all of those, but I, for some reason, Henry communicated all of their sentences. I think it was because they were all noblemen. They were all noblemen, so he was like, no, just cut their heads off. In the series, and this is... Perhaps not historically accurate, mm. but after the brother's execution, it shows Anne watching from her cell window in the tower yeah. as her father runs away. Do you remember that? Yeah, and she calls out to him, doesn't yes. she? And she's going, father, father, and he yes. just kind of looks up at her. I think that might have happened in real life. I think her father... Her father sucks. Her father fucking sucks. Thomas Boleyn is a fucking asshole. He let both of his children die. For his own ambition. For his own ambition. And Absolutely. Then, yeah. Um, Anne, you know, she kind of came to terms with her own death. Weird, I And know. she was very calm and very pious about it in the end. 
The penalty for high treason for a woman was normally burning at the stake, but Henry communicated her sentence to beheading and sent for a skilled swordsman to execute her more quickly. Um, there's a, I, I'm sorry I keep bringing this up, but there's this really poignant scene in the Tudors when Anne is imprisoned in the Tower of London, and um, they keep waiting for the swordsman to arrive, and he's supposed to arrive one day. He doesn't come. He's supposed to arrive another day. He doesn't come. It's just kind of like adding to this torture, this anguish that Anne is going through. And then one day, you know, he's supposed to be there. He doesn't come. And Anne kind of breaks a little bit. And she's like, you know, would it really be so hard? I have such a small, thin neck. I mean, would it really be so hard just to find someone who could do it really exactly, quick? Exactly. And, oh, my God, it just made me feel awful inside well the torture of waiting like knowing it's coming but you don't know when right yeah you know it's coming but you don't know when in her final hours she is said to have penned the poem oh death rock me to sleep and she prayed and fasted and took her last rites and her last confession she had mass prayed over her catholic mass or catholic no protestant she was protestant okay she swore upon her immortal soul to the priest who gave her her last mass and to the crowd gathered to watch her execution that she had never been betrayed but uh, she had never betrayed her beloved king um i have that speech right here it's really quick i'm just gonna read it Um, do this it brought people it moved people it brought them to tears it made a lot of people in the crowd think to themselves like oh shit like this isn't right what's happening right now i think they started to question henry's sanity i think they did too after anne's execution so anne up 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 on the scaffold about to be executed says good christian people i am come hither to die for according to the law and by the law i am judged to die and therefore i will speak nothing against it i am come hither to accuse no man nor to speak anything of that whereof i am accused and condemned to die but i pray god save the king and send him long reign over you for a gentler nor a more merciful prince was there never and to me he was ever a good a gentle and sovereign lord and if any person will meddle of my cause i require them to judge the best and thus i take my leave of the world and of you all and i heartily desire you all to pray for me O lord have mercy on me to god i commend my soul wow she went to her death with grace with dignity with courage still deeply in love with henry and completely broken by what he had done to her she died on tower hill abandoned and disgraced with you know dispatched quickly with one stroke of the sword on may 19 1536 at the age of 35 and her remains were placed in an unmarked grave um in the chapel of the tower of london where she remains to this day um catherine by the way i didn't mention this catherine was buried in like a tiny little chapel given a very small unceremonious funeral um the only and we'll get to her soon the only woman the only wife to be uh, buried with henry was jane um and uh, like like you said he considered her to be his one true wife exactly before death before anne was even cold henry had moved on (laughs) 
country before it even sends story before it moved even on. Sends him story this man sucks. On. He does kind of suck. This part of the story is called "Not So Much Fun with Henry and Jane." That's <laughs> 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 all I can think of. <laughs> I will. <laughs> We're gonna check the recording. It's okay. We there can. We go. We can edit this out later. Okay. <laughs> um, Jane Seymour. Now, we mentioned her before. She was one of Anne's ladies-in-waiting. She was born in 1508. She was the daughter of a knight. Um, so she was considered to be, you know, well-off. Right. You she's know. a member of the court. She's a member of the court, and her family has some status. Status. Exactly. But she was not nearly as of high and noble birth as Catherine and Anne, and therefore received a far less sophisticated and worldly education. She could read and write a little bit, uh, but she was mostly trained in domestic duties and household management in order to be a good wife and mother. She was also secretly Catholic. What? Yes. What? She would say the rosary... She was secretly Catholic this whole time? She would say that. I think it's the... By the way, during this time, I don't think you were allowed to be Catholic. No. He'd kill you. He'd kill you. (laughs) He'd kill you. He'd burn you at the stake if you were Catholic. That's what he did to Thomas More. The Catholic Mass was outlawed, right? Yes, he killed Thomas More because he wouldn't denounce the Catholic faith. Good old Thomas More. Now, Thomas More, he's an interesting person. He's a very cool and good person, He's a saint. Thank you. Martyred. For his faith. There we go. Quote unquote saint. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to be saintly <laughs> to be a saint. I'm just saying, like, there's difference. Okay, but who decides saints are a thing? Me. No. Okay. Any. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, where was I? As a teenager, Jane was a lady in waiting to Queen Catherine. Whom she loved and respected very much. See, the Catholic. See? Yes. Jane adored Queen Catherine. Queen Catherine was like a saint to her. Yes. She really was. Yes. Um, Jane was highly praised for her gentle, peaceful nature and was regarded as meek, simple, and chaste. So, pretty radically different from Anne. Well, he needs a king. But I think he chose Jane because Jane was more easily controllable. She was I think he chose Jane because as much as he didn't want to, he fell in love with her. Yeah, I think he actually, I think after all the turmoil he'd gone through with Catherine and Anne, I think Jane's simplicity was very attractive to him. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she was just a very pious, gentle woman, I think he was ready for that. Um Jane and Henry were engaged the day after Jane uh, Anne's execution. Literally the day after she was killed. But the killed. thing I want to point out, yeah. is, at least in the series, again. We love you this. Know, Watch I the Tudors, people! It's amazing! Um, <laughs> when Anne was being executed, he was tormented. And I think he might have been a little bit yeah. in real life. I, I think... Because he did have a daughter with her. Exactly. And he did love Elizabeth. I don't think he ever didn't love Mary or Elizabeth. I think he did love them. He just didn't love them in the way he would have if they had been boys. Right. Which is fucked. And I misspoke because I said Elizabeth's 
daughter, but current Queen Elizabeth is Elizabeth's granddaughter. Great-granddaughter. Great-granddaughter. Great-granddaughter, okay. yeah. yeah. Okay. I was about to say, that would make her, like, super fucking old, and she's already she's super already fucking old. <laughs> the queen is not allowed to die. <laughs> I love Ever. this woman. I love her, too. I love everything about her. She is sassy. She's I know. hilarious. She's still kicking. How old is she? Like She's 90- in her 90s. She's the same age as Grandma. She's 94. Oh, my God. I love her. I love her, too. I wish she was my Grandma. <laughs> Not that I want to give up the Grandma I no. already have. I wish she was also my Grandma. I wish they were both my Grandma. <laughs> so, uh, Jane and Henry were engaged the day after Anne's execution, and they were married ten days later. I just try to wrap your head <laughs> around right. how fucked fucking quickly this is happening okay (laughs) the queen of england anne was arrested in may on may 2nd and two weeks later was executed and a week and a half after that the king married a new queen like that's how quickly henry is 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 chugging along here yeah well the people in england are kind of like what the fuck's happening the people at this point were like okay Someone needs to have a talk with him. Because <laughs> this cannot be something seriously not something right. Something is seriously wrong. But then Jane was so endearing to people, the people. People loved Jane. And you want to know why the people loved Jane so much? Was because of her sympathy and compassion towards Queen Catherine and her daughter, yes. Mary. Mary was quite beloved Did by you, the English people. You're going to get into it. I'm going to get into it. Yep, hold okay. on to it. So... Um, Jane was proclaimed queen consort soon after. She was never proclaimed queen. Um, it's speculated that maybe Henry was waiting to give her that official title until after she gave him a son. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know for sure. Um. Oh, shit, she died from childbirth. Yeah. Her sympathy and compassion for the late Queen Catherine and her daughter Mary was widely known and actually made her very popular with the people. Jane even formed a close bond with Mary and was responsible for helping her reconcile with her father because, you know, during his marriage to Anne, he'd basically cast Mary Mary aside. Right, right, right. Uh, so thanks to Jane, Mary and Henry were able to reconcile, um, you know, I have to say, because yeah. you were saying that other than X, you liked Anne. Yeah. She would have, like, been the one to yeah. foment this thing with Mary and yeah. keep her away. And yeah, everything. that's very true. Yeah, Anne so. was very horrible to Mary. Yeah. She was horrible to Mary and she was horrible to Catherine because she saw both of them as threats. Exactly. Um. She was a very insecure woman. She was. So even though I love Anne because I feel she's been misrepresented in history, and I do feel she has been misrepresented a little bit, um, that part is definitely not good. Right. Um, Okay, I keep losing my place. But but Jane, for all of her efforts, she was never able to restore Mary to the line of succession. Uh, What she wanted to do was she wanted to be like, hey – Obviously, Henry, you and I are going to have kids, and our kids are going to be first in line to the throne. But, hey, what about this? Also, add Mary and now Elizabeth to the line of succession. Because as soon as Anne was dead, guess who's also on the outs? Elizabeth. His own fucking daughter. Right, right. Um, but Jane was not successful in this. Um, 
she Jane was much more submissive to Henry than Anne had ever been also she once asked him to pardon a group of religious prisoners so he was going to execute all of them and she was like please don't do that um and he basically was like uh need I remind you what happens when my queens meddle in my affairs Need I remind you what the consequences are of questioning your king? Isn't it hard to love an ass like that? Right, I don't fucking get it. <laughs> I, d I think Jane... I think Jane was roped into this. Or... Jane could, she, she you know, couldn't... Yeah. She also understood that she had a role to play. Yeah. She could push to a certain boundary. Right. Yeah, right? that's very true. Recognizing that he did love her. And he so did. she had yes. some latitude, mm -hmm. right? Yes. She had to play that game. Yep. She had to yep. walk yep. along that very thin line. Yep. What can I get away with? What is pushing it too far? Exactly. That, in Henry's opinion, was and pushing it too far. he was a little far. unstable. He was very unstable. So that line could move. He had, That was the thing with Henry is that he had a hair-trigger temper. He could get mad at you. For saying, oh, sire, you dropped something. <laughs> How dare you imply that the royal hands are not secure enough to hold this off with your head? You know, I mean, that was basically, exactly. that was, was basically his mentality. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jane never involved herself in political affairs again after that. Never tried to step on Henry's toes or give him any sort of advice. Remember how... Anne's motto was the most happy. Her motto was bound. Stay the fuck away. Right. <laughs> was please let me keep my, my head. head. <laughs> <laughs> no, her her motto was bound to serve and obey, which just makes me sad inside. <laughs> you know, but it, part of it could be manipulation. Like she was smart. If that's your motto, she and had Henry like, wrapped around her see? finger. She really did. See, this one though was no fool. Um, let me see. Uh, it's also worth noting that during the time that Henry was married to Jane, his bastard son Henry Fitzroy did die at the age of seventeen, and this was a huge. Was he that old? Yeah, he was only seventeen. Because in the See, this is where the series The goes series off. is very different. Because it made him, like, a toddler. Oh, no, he was, like, he 17 passed. when he died. Okay. He died of tuberculosis, I believe. Um, and this was just a huge, huge blow to Henry. Because Henry Fitzroy really was his one possible male heir. Um, and he was just in despair, thinking he was going to die without a son. Jane, but thankfully Jane became pregnant in early 1537, and she spent her entire pregnancy secluded from public life, being attended to by the best midwives and physicians in the kingdom. It seemed her and Henry's deepest hopes and prayers were answered when on October 12, 1537, Jane Seymour gave birth to Henry VIII's male heir, Edward VI. But, unfortunately, the labor had been very difficult, lasting two days and three nights. Holy fucking shit. Can you even begin oh, to man. imagine? Man. Um, most likely because the baby was not well positioned. Um, Edward was christened three days later. Mary and Elizabeth both took part in their stepbrother's Aww. ceremony. All thanks to Jane. Right. That was all Jane. Right. But it became obvious that the queen was seriously ill. 
on October 24th, Queen Jane died due to complications from childbirth. She was the only one of Henry's wives to receive a queen's funeral, and after her death, Henry wore black for three months. And he mourned her. He for didn't remarry the next week. No, he didn't actually, which Damn, is pretty surprising. Really? He mourned her for three months. He well, he wore black for three months, and then he mourned her an additional two years. Right. He did not get married again for another two years after Jane's death. Henry was buried beside Jane when he died, and he considers her to be his one true wife. Right. For no other reason other than she gave him a son. Spoiler alert: Edward dies when he's like fifteen doesn't make a big impact at all <laughs> right i right. well i think the men were just weak the men were weak back then the men were weak back then well they they put everything into having sons you know it's like it's like you couldn't even you couldn't even rely on your own sense of manhood because everything was dependent on what you left behind you know, and, and modern men don't really have to contend with that. So it's it's very different, yeah. Uh, so the next wife is Anne of Cleves. So she was, Anne of Cleves was the daughter of a very influential duke and duchess in Germany. Um, and really not a whole lot is known about her younger life. But she was eventually brought up as a potential marriage match for Henry, and the reason why was because after the Protestant Reformation, England had made enemies of most of the other Catholic countries in Europe, um, and they really needed to find friends where they could get them, right. and Germany was one of the only countries who was still willing to kind of like work with them, so in order to solidify that alliance, he was like, okay, I'll marry a German noble. So what happened was, what had happened was, <laughs> I want to make a side, like, for this podcast, I want to call my mini-episode What Had Happened Was. <laughs> nice. Being, isn't that funny? <laughs> and, um, so, what Henry did was he dispatched a painter, a very famous and well-known painter, to Germany. He was like, paint me a portrait of both Anne and her younger sister, Amelia. Do not exaggerate anything, be... As literal and as he was, because he he was he was basically like, don't do them any favors. He wanted a truthful don't, rendering. He was like, don't make them look hotter than they actually are, because he was going to use these portraits to choose which one of them he wanted to marry. But he would not have been able to marry the younger one. I'm saying no, but tradition. he wouldn't have been able to marry the younger one. That's right, true. Right, right. Maybe he thought he could get get around that somehow. He was I don't know. Um, so he saw the pictures, and he saw Anne's painting. He thought Anne was beautiful. He really did. When, so Anne was eventually brought to England. She's about, she's about, like, 18, 19 years old around this time. It didn't go well. <laughs> no. It didn't, it didn't go well, because Anne was a very, very private. She's very private, very quiet. Anne was more of a Queen Catherine, even though she was young. She was very pious, very quiet, very conservative. Not, she didn't have the same kind of like lively, energetic youthfulness about her that Anne Boleyn had had. So, you know, Henry bursts into Anne's room, dressed as a peasant, and like accosts her. He's got like all these people playing music. He runs up to her, grabs her, and kisses her. 
she's terrified and scandalized because she doesn't realize that that's the king. Ah. Because he's in disguise. And so, like, this big plan to, like, impress her or surprise her completely flops because Anne is really put off by it, really disturbed. So Henry was like, I don't like her. I think she's fat and ugly and no fun. And he got so mad because he was like, that painting of her don't look like her. No, someone lied to me. And he got very, very angry. Oh, no, did he kill the He artist? got very angry at Thomas Cromwell, who was the per. Do you remember Cromwell yes. from the series? Yes. Cromwell had orchestrated this pairing between him and Anne. And Henry went back to Cromwell, who was like, I don't want to fucking marry her. But at that point, it was too late because their marriage was contingent upon this alliance between English and Germany that needed to happen. He had to marry her in order to ensure this alliance. But Henry never forgave Cromwell for making him, making him quote-unquote marry Anne. And he did make Cromwell pay dearly yes, he did. for that. Yes, he did. Um, you know, uh, so this is, this is how the story goes. So Anne and Henry get married. They go to their wedding bed on the night, and apparently Henry just kind of leans over and kisses her goodnight, and that's it. And Anne is so sheltered that she doesn't realize that they have not performed their duties as husband and wife. Mm. She thinks that that's all she has to do. To be pregnant. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. That's how sheltered she is. Oh, poor child. I know. Everybody, I understand that this is a personal thing, but really, you need to talk to your kids about sex a <laughs> little bit. Because if your kid is so sheltered that they think they can get pregnant just by kissing someone, that's not good. Not good. That's not good. Henry went to Cromwell the next morning, and he was like, she's so ugly, I could not sleep with her. Which is mean, first of all. <laughs> because mean. at this point, let's put a mirror up to Henry. Henry's old and ugly and fat at this point. So fat. He's fucking huge. And this girl is much younger and much smaller than him. Completely terrified by him. She's terrified of him. Like, oh, she's probably cursing her parents for making her be in this situation. Well, after, after Jane died, most other royal princesses, most other foreign princesses, did not want to marry him. There was another princess, I think her name was Christina of Milan or something like that, and she was basically like, oh, yeah, if I had an extra head to give to his majesty's pleasure, I would definitely offer it up, but as it is, I only have one. Wow. And it's like, bitch... Yeah. Nice. Nice. So the, the the marriage the marriage of Anne and Henry only lasted six months. And basically what happened was they never had sex because Henry was just so reviled by her, which is super, super mean. <laughs> like Wow dude. So mean. They wow, never had dude. sex. And basically what Henry did was he came to her one day and he was like, Look, I will give you a shit ton of money, a shit ton of property, all of these titles, all this influence. You will live a long happy wealthy life if you give me a divorce and and Anne was like yep sure whatever you want because <laughs> i don't think she was much happier suck, about this arrangement than he was and she went on to outlive henry no yes 
she might I think she did outlive Henry and she outlived all of his wives so she and she did very well for herself and in fact after their divorce you know she lived the rest of her life in England she was very happy in England um and she actually she and Henry became super fucking good friends Henry referred to her as his beloved sister for the rest of his life wow he no out as soon as they weren't married anymore and he didn't have to call her his wife he was like oh i love Anne. Anne's so much fun she's great Anne, is that you <laughs> you get over here <laughs> wow yeah it's crazy right he was so fucked up okay let's just go okay, i'm not trying to on. i'm not trying to yada 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 but we're almost out of time so let's get through the last two wives really quick <sighs> so after anne of cleves Again, the English people were like, Henry. Put your chips what in the place. What the fuck man. is going on? <laughs> we can't keep going through this every six months. Oh, hey, why don't you marry a 16-year-old? So why don't you marry a 16-year-old? Guess how Henry met his next wife. She was the lady and waiting of his current wife. Oh, That's how he met most of his wives. Yes, I know. Yeah. Um. So his fifth wife was a very young girl by the name of Catherine Howard. She came from a technically noble family, but her father was one of like 15 children or something like that. And he was not the eldest son. Ah, so very much down the Very down much the line. down the line. He had to, like, beg for money from his more wealthy brothers. Um, Catherine Howard's mother died when she was five years old. I'm literally, I'm not looking at anything right now, am I, Mom? No. I'm just reciting this off the top <laughs> of my head. I swear this is all real. I've watched so many videos and read so many things. Um, <laughs> and I've watched the Tudors, and we all know that that's totally fact checked <laughs> um so um when Catherine howard's mother died when she was five years old she was sent to live with her mother's stepfather no let me say that again with her father's stepmother there we go okay and this this stepmother was known for taking in lots of underprivileged children and letting them live in her house so she could educate them and train them However, this woman, this noble woman, was also away at court a lot and did so not the kids kind of ran supervise, wild. did yeah. not supervise. So Catherine, she's this young, beautiful teenage girl living in a house with a bunch of other young, beautiful teenage girls. What eventually ends up happening is these girls start inviting men into the home. The men bring wine, you know. Uh, when Catherine was 13, she was molested by a music teacher of hers. For a few years which is very sad um it's known that, i mean it's 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 assumed that sh her sexual activity began very early in life because of where of where she was being raised and what she was surrounded by when she was 15 she was in a very passionate love affair with a man who i don't remember his first name but i remember his last name was dermont or something like that um and he was a little bit older than her but um, he was eventually sent away because she was young when this was happening and he was older. Right. Um, but he did promise to marry her, I guess, eventually one day. Um, Catherine had an uncle who was in Henry's court. 
And in order to advance his own position, he saw Catherine and he was like, Catherine's hot. I bet Henry will think Catherine is hot. Catherine, you come with me. I'm going to make you a lady-in-waiting to Queen Anne of Cleves. And I'm just going to put you right in Henry's sight. Path. Yeah. And I guess Henry was a very predictable person. Because as soon as he saw the young Catherine, who was fucking 16, by the way, and he was in his 40s when this was going on. It just gets ooier. It's ooier and, and ooier and ooier. And ooier. Ooh. It's bad. <laughs> About, so that's how, that's how Henry met Catherine Howard. About two months after the annulment of his marriage to Anne of Cleves, he was engaged to and married Catherine Howard. And um, she was kind of promiscuous because of her upbringing, so she had a lot of sexual experience. Catherine, Catherine was not very well educated. She had grown up in this very unsupervised, wild, sexually free and promiscuous environment. Yep, that's what I was getting at. And you also have to remember, she's a 16, 17-year-old girl who is thrown into this position of, of immense power and wealth. and wealth. Do you really expect her to handle that properly? Like, <laughs> spoiler alert, she did not. Like, the king, well, and the king was fucking obsessed with her. The king called her, oh, what did he call her? The jewel of womanhood and his rose without a thorn. Right. <laughs> You go with See that, the my The look friend. on my mom's face. You go with that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, you, yeah. You just go with that, my friend. I f- yeah, it's bad. While she was <laughs> while, while she was married to Henry, she was involved in an affair with a man by the name of Thomas Culpepper, who I guess she had been sexually associated with before. They carried on their sexual affair. Um... And news of this eventually got back to the king, and he did not want to believe it. He really didn't. He was completely devastated and enraged and heartbroken by this. But once he realized it was true, he not only punished Thomas Culpepper, but he also punished the man whom she had been involved with earlier earlier in her life when she was 15, that Dermont guy. So basically what happened was Parliament... And this is so fucked up. Parliament passed an act that said a queen consort, so like a new spouse to the, to the king, has to disclose her sexual history to the king within 20 days of their marriage. So she has to tell him every guy she's ever slept with. Um, yeah, so what they ended up doing was they, they brought Dermont into the mix. Culpepper was um, executed for treason for being in an affair with Catherine Howard. He was ex- um, he was beheaded because he was a nobleman. Uh, Dermont was not a nobleman. So when he was found guilty... 40? Serious? When he was found guilty of treason, he was hanged, drawn, and quartered. I'm not going to get into it super much. Here's here's the thing though. Um, I did look into what exactly hanging hanging drawing and quartering is, just because I wasn't sure. So the drawing part is what they used to do was they would just tie someone to a horse 
and then have the horse quote unquote draw or drag them to wherever they're gonna go but most of the people got so fucked up from that that they would be like half dead by the time they got to the gallows so the drawing part is where they i guess they kind of like attach you to a board or something they like tie you to it and then they attach that to the horse and the horse drags you through the streets to the scaffold at the scaffold you are hanged but you are not hanged until you die right you are hanged just so that you are in immense anguish and discomfort then you are taken down and cut open (laughs) and slowly disemboweled and you get to watch as all of your entrails and organs are placed on a pyre and burned in front of you dear god um the last thing removed is your heart because they want it to to go slow and then that's when they cut off your limbs and your head and the head was pretty much almost always displayed on a pike um up above up above the the there there was a, a a gate to the tower of london called the prisoner's gate where all the the prisoners went through when Catherine Howard was brought to the Tower of London because she was, of course, arrested, um, she saw the heads of Culpepper and right. Dermont right. above yeah. her, and she knew. I mean, she, you know, remember what I said? You remember everything I said about Anne, about how Anne accepted everything very gracefully and calmly and with yeah. dignity. Not Catherine, not Catherine Howard, but can you blame her? She was a 17, 18-year-old girl. She was fucking terrified. Right. She didn't understand why this was happening to her. And unfortunately, yeah, Catherine, Catherine Howard was also executed by the orders of Henry VIII when she was 19 years old. Beheaded. Yeah, she was beheaded. Okay. The final wife of Henry VIII was a woman by the name of Catherine Parr. Catherine Parr, he had three wives by the name of Catherine. You know. What's up with that? <laughs> you know. You know. It's weird. Uh, Catherine Parr, in my opinion, is probably one of his most interesting wives. She she had a very long and interesting life before she ever even got involved with Henry. Who would want to get involved with Henry? Could you please? Just... She didn't want to. She was forced. And I will explain that in a moment. So, she, she was married twice before she got married to henry uh the first marriage did not last long her husband died very shortly after they got married the second marriage lasted i think about eight years um and this man had children his wife had died and then he married her so she had stepchildren but she never conceived and had any of her own children in these other two marriages um eventually she goes to court she's in this beautiful glittering atmosphere she loves it so much that's when she catches the eye of henry and henry is apparently attracted to catherine because of her maturity and her grace and her elegance my Um, god he's like this pendulum yeah that goes from 18 years old to oh i like the maturity to oh i need a child exactly he just wanted the opposite of whatever he had had previously that's what he wanted he just wanted the opposite of whatever he had had previously so now he likes Catherine because she's 
so intelligent mm-hmm. and oh, yes. professional and mature and all this bullshit. Um, Catherine, here's the interesting thing, though. Catherine Parr was in love. Now, her husband of eight years had died at this point. Right. And she was in love with a man by the name of Thomas Seymour. He was the brother of the late Queen Jane. Wow. Yeah. she. So Catherine Parr was in love with Thomas Seymour, the brother of the late Queen Jane, and she wanted to marry him, but Henry got to her first, and he was like, marry me. And she was like, if I say no, I might die. So I should probably Shit. say yes. She was heartbroken. She did not want to marry Henry. Aww. But... But a lot of people believe that she was such a good wife for Henry at this stage of his life because she was a nurturer in every way possible. She just loved to take care of people. Did she outlive him? Yes. Praise God Praise God above. God above. Remember, Mom, it goes divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded, survived. So she does survive him. Um, And she... She really gave Henry a lot of love and joy and comfort in his last years. He apparently really, really loved Catherine. Catherine only fucked up once. She only fucked up once. Apparently, at one point, she did try to get Henry to do more with the Protestant Protestant movement. She was like, you should do this. You should do that. And Henry kind of took that as a insult. Like, how dare you question me? He wrote up an arrest warrant for her and everything. Dude, and then, this dude. And the only reason she survived was she because bec- was she came back and threw herself at his feet. And she was like, no, I would never, I would, I, I would never deign to, to tell his grace what is best. I was simply hoping to learn from you about religion and your ideas. And that was the, the only thing that saved her life because she kissed his ass enough. Wow. Yeah. So Henry and Catherine were married for the last few years of Henry's life. She was queen from 1543 to 1547. So she and Henry were probably only married about four years. Um, And Henry died at the age of 55 due to complications from his leg wounds that had constantly... That thing was gross. It, <laughs> it never healed. It never healed. It just festered, and he yeah. got really bad gout from it. And he he died a really feeble, weak, fat, despicable old man. He really did not have much of a legacy. Um, well, he did, but he didn't. I mean, but Catherine Parr did outlive him, and she became very influential because she eventually took in his daughter, Elizabeth. And she was um, her caretaker for a long time. And she had a lot of influence over both Elizabeth and over Mary. So that's interesting. Nice. So those are the six wives of Henry VIII, the real housewives of Henry VIII. <laughs> what do you think of all that, Mom? Um, Henry was one fucked up man. Mm. Henry really needed to 
he needs to sort out his priorities. I truly believe that there was some type of sepsis that took place in his body. Yeah. Some type of infection that affected his brain. Well, and from a lot, his leg wound. A lot of people also believe he might have also suffered um, a concussion when he was. I just dropped off his horse. This is not normal behavior. No, it's not. It's Even not normal for, behavior at all. You know, kings of his time. No other king had ever done this shit, and no other king ever did it after him. No, he was. Something was not right. Something wasn't right with him, and. I think the reason the fascination with him has lasted this long is because he's so unlike any other monarch. He just at... controlled people by fear. Well, the minute did. you start yes. cutting he... off people's fucking heads, like you're gonna get pretty much anything you want. And and that and that was the thing about the Tudors is that this this fear that Henry had um had created within his thirty thirty six year reign. I believe, 36 years was how long Henry reigned over England. Um, people were afraid of him. They were. And when his son Edward came into power, they very much expected him to be exactly like his father. But Edward was also very young. He was a boy king. He was controlled by outside sources. How long did he live? Well, we'll, we'll get into that. All so right. next episode is going to focus on the children of Henry VIII. So that would be Mary Tudor, known as Bloody Mary, um, Edward VI, the Boy King, and of course, Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth. But there's one person in there, not 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 a child of Henry, but there's one person in there who you might not know about. You see, when people talk about the Tudor dynasty, they usually only list four monarchs. They list Henry VII, Henry VIII. Bloody Mary, and Queen Elizabeth. What if I were to tell you there's a fourth monarch in there, the first unofficially recognized queen of England, and her name was Jane Grey? Oh, I've heard that name. Yeah, but did you know she was queen of England for nine days? No. Well, you gonna learn next week! <laughs> well, we're not gonna get into that now. Um... My mother and I have had a lot to drink. No. No? We've had a lot to drink. <laughs> We're ready for some... I'm hungry. Are you hungry? Hungry. We're hungry. We're going to go eat some food. Um, please join us next week for um, a discussion on the reign of Mary Tudor, her sister, Queen Elizabeth, and the nine days queen, Jane Grey, who you might not know about. It's a super fucking fascinating story i cannot wait to talk about it um any parting words mom i i don't think you're incensed today are you i'm intrigued and you're i'm intrigued today. i'm going to do some research before next week but don't give too much away because i do want to hear like your legitimate reaction to things got it because it's going to be great um well everybody please stay safe out there um be kind. Be kind. If you're going to protest, please do so carefully. Um, if you know, if you if you like this show and you want to learn more, if you want to hear more, please go follow Hear No Evil at Hear No Evil Pod. My mother is not on social media because she has better things to do with her time. I was a busy lady. She's a busy, busy lady. <laughs> 
And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, I love you all. Thank you again for listening. Sayonara. Sayonara. Keep your heads firmly on those shoulders (laughs) where they belong. Off with her head. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.